Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. We are looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us. Hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Hey there, listeners. Your WNRG co-hosts are here virtually to talk to you about seven habits of successful people. So this idea kind of came up as I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. So his episode is titled 12 Rules for Life. And in that, they talk about numerous different uh, research articles. But what I found that was really intriguing was this idea of seven habits of highly successful people. So this book was first published in 1989 by Steve Covey, and it was an instant bestseller that earned critical acclaim internationally. And despite um, any kind of economic or technological social changes that have happened, this book still remains really relevant due to the seven habits that can be applied throughout any culture and personally or professionally. The seven habits are actually a mix of, you know, things to do with the mindset and also tangible patterns of behavior, and there's really no colloquial style or jargon that, you know, the readers have to really sift through. So without further ado, we're going to be discussing the first three habits in this episode. Habit one is called being proactive, and Steve Covey says that effective people constantly remind themselves that they can't control everything that will happen to them, but they can control their response. So the alternative to this is being reactive in which we then scramble and run to put out fires. Effective people are always a step ahead of the game. Would Carmen and Tara like to share a little bit about what it means to be proactive to them? Well, I'd like to jump in on that because I thought it was a very interesting uh, theory that he's saying and uh, that I, I always feel like I want to be that way. I want to be proactive versus reactive and keep the end in mind, right, which is going to be the second one, but, um, but just to simply be ready for what might happen. And I'd much rather catch anything at the beginning than have to chase it in the end. How about you, Tara? Yeah, um, actually, I was just talking to a mentor about this earlier today like an hour ago, (laughs) I was telling her that sometimes I feel like, you know, those little wind-up, like, toys that have a propeller on the top of them, if you wind them up, they'll, like, fly off into the air and, like, spin around, and then they'll come back down to the ground. And sometimes I feel like that um, just in terms of, like, reactionary, and and I definitely feel like uh, I could do a better job of being in control of my reaction. Um, and that's one thing that we kind of came to in our discussion was when there are things that are out of our control, legitimately out of our control, what's the one thing we can control, and that's how we react to the situation. 
So that one really resonated with me because it's, like Carmen says, like such a work in progress. You know, you constantly have to be one step ahead and, and prepared for how, you're, how you might physically react, right? I mean, my blood pressure, I, I get sweaty sometimes, like my, all my hormones kick in. Um, so even being prepared physically as well as emotionally um, for whatever may come. Absolutely. And I personally kind of feel, um, whenever I read this, be proactive, um, I kind of immediately thought of RuPaul's Drag Race um, because one of the queens, like, she always says, I don't get ready, I stay ready. And I was like, get it, girl. I like that. I like, I'm I'm writing that one down. (laughs) And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Shea Coulee, who's a fabulous queen. I just thought that was, like, really neat. And also, I kind of try to do that. An example of that is, you know, you can't ever control the weather. I'm from Oklahoma, and Will Rogers has always said, you know, if you don't like the weather in Oklahoma, wait five minutes and it'll change. And that is a definite. So I always, like, kind of carry an umbrella or a jacket with a hood. I have those in my car. I carry them in my work bag and try to be as proactive, I guess, in that way. And also applying it to work, um, whenever you have to rush through things or you're putting out fires, sometimes things can get really, really costly. But a former employer, I remember placing a rush order on 500 wristbands that like came from China. And the shipping cost was like $500 for this rush order. So it way outweighed the cost of the actual goods themselves. I just think that... Is, you know, part of it. And we is... have to do a mind check on that because there is a fine line, I think, of, and and I fall into, and I fall into the pillar of proactivity for sure. But at the same time, I do have to be flexible. I have to know that those changes will take place, and so some things you sometimes you cannot control those pieces. So you have to be mindful of that, so it does not stress you out completely that you have to, in other words, you got to plan. The part of the proactivity is planning that things will change along the way and being mindful of that. Oh, that is such a great point. That is such a good point because I know sometimes I can have my hopes set on this and then if it doesn't, you know, meet expectations or exceed, I know my mindset can kind of fizzle from there. So that's that's a really good point that I'm glad you brought up. All right, are we ready to move on to habit two? Sure. All right. So habit two in Steve Covey's book is begin with the end in mind. And with that, he states that genuinely successful people carefully strategize and set goals, complete with action steps that include a plan for dealing with obstacles. You need to be a visionary. And this will kind of all depend on if you have already mastered habit one. So he's always like referencing that you have to build, you have to have the first step completely done and practice, and that's your go-to in order to build on from there. So how do you all begin with the end in mind? Well, that's a great question. I think awareness probably. Like you have to be aware that that's something you've got to do. Um, I think it's a lot like I have a 12-year-old, and so a lot of the decisions I make with her are based on, like, long-term, right? You know, how do I want her to, how to grow as a human being, as a strong woman, as someone who's, you know, responsible for um, for herself and takes accountability? Like, there's all these pieces. And so every decision I make now, 
kind of plays into who she'll be as an adult, or at least help form it. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. We were driving to Starbucks the other day, and I think she was just, she was on her phone, and I was distracted. And there was actually a woman on the side of the road, literally on the sidewalk, like just kind of laying there. And to be really honest, like it was about to rain, and I was driving, and I was like, what the heck? And I had like a good three or four seconds to go through this whole cycle in my mind. Like, should I stop? Do I stop? Why isn't anyone else stopping? You know, like, I, it was hard now and then I'm saying it out loud to even think that I paused for a moment. But then we turned the car around and we went over and we called 911 and we got an ambulance to this woman. And uh, it was important for me to show my daughter, like, that's what we do. That's what people do. We stop. You know, there was a ton of cars that did not stop. Mm. It was the strangest thing. And I needed her to know that we stopped. So, so my point with that whole story is, you know, hopefully that woman's okay. We talked through a lot, a lot after that moment. But that my end goal for raising a child is that she is, is someone who cares about, you know, humankind and she understands that the world's much bigger than she is. But that starts with every decision I make right now, right? Like I have to be mindful that, that I need to show her and I need to show her what it is to be a, you know, a loving, kind, responsible human being. So I hope that makes sense yeah. as an example. Yeah, but it was it was pretty killer because in that moment I'm like, do I stop? Like, do I stop? You know? But yes, we have to stop. So, anyways, that was my my uh, my two cents on that one. You're showing her through actions to, to right. teach her how you're setting her up for for life as a parent. Because I have an end goal of what I hope she, you know, aspires to, and I'll let her make the decision on what that looks like. But I got to give her every chance to to get there, um, and that starts with now. And to that, uh, and, you know, that was that personal sentiment, which I think is fantastic. And, you know, I was even reading an article that uh, was a, let's say, an extension of this, of the book. And it talks about making your own personal mission statement. And by making your own personal mission statement, you know, you're leading your own life. And you're creating your destiny and the future that you do envision. So you are seeing, you are looking at it through your daughter's eyes and what you want her to see because you reap what you sow, you know, you just want her to, to be able to be a contributor to society as well to make a difference. Yeah. yeah and so I think that's so part easy. of your personal mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, and, and you're, you're absolutely right about that because what are our values professionally, personally, you know, once we list those out, are we actually living them? Are we actually, living a lifestyle that aligns with, with our values. And, and actually, I talk a lot about that with my associates at work too. You know, like the work we do day to day, does it continue to inspire you? Do you feel like you're making a difference? Does it align with the values that you hold closest to your heart? I think those are things we have to keep evaluating. Absolutely. This, and also there's this adorable shirt from Target that says humankind and underneath it, it says mm-hmm. be both. And I was like, that's a really nice oh, sentiment. I really I like, like that. that. They're always sold out, but I, I really like that. I was like, that's such a simple <laughs> idea, but very, very neat. Um, and we and, can add an A between after the N and before the K. Yeah. I'm just playing. <laughs> Humanikind. <laughs> yeah, Humanikind. Oh, why? That would be an awesome hashtag. So, hey, marketing folks out there. Humana kind, especially for the volunteer program, that would be pretty neat. Oh, just saying. Our associate. Oh my gosh! 
associate recognition. Centers. Yeah. <laughs> can we patent that or is that a thing? Can yeah, we patent that patents hashtag? are still a thing. It started here first. <laughs> Intellectual property, WNRG podcast series. Uh, so but yeah, I think that's um, that's an important one. I think and in business it is too, you know, professionally, what is it that you want long term? I mean, gosh, it can change so much, but you have an ultimate goal built in. You know, what what is it that you envision? What is it that that you want to aspire to, and then have you listed out the steps that you're going to take to get there. And I'll give you an example. I'm in a clinical setting without a clinical background. Um, I have a mental health undergrad and a master's in health administration, yet I work among nurses in Humana at Home and social workers and other phenomenal healthcare professionals. So, so when I look at my long-term goals of what I want to do, part of it has a clinical component to it. So I thought about nursing schools. I want to go back and do, get you know, become a nurse. Um, what other avenues can I take to pull in a clinical piece? So this past this year, I went and got my um, my CCM, which is a certified case manager, and and I did Congrats, that because by I know that is a step. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. That's a, that's yeah. a stepping stone, right? Like that's a piece that I had to account for when I look at my long term goals. Um, or just looking around you at, at people um, and what they're doing in terms of, you know, furthering education or certifications or just exposure through volunteerism and, and that type of thing. So I think professionally this is such a huge one for people because without those action steps, you, you really can't get to where you want to go. And even if you're not completely clear on what that end goal necessarily is, you have a general I, you know, idea of what you want to be doing five years, ten years, um, and if you don't, it's a good time to sit down and kind of journal that out. I think, and like a, a method for journaling it out. So this is something that I've done at at work in numerous different roles, and then also I kind of reevaluate and reassess on a yearly basis. Um, it's called a SWOT analysis. So business folks should know what that is as well. But it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So. Uh, I kind of put, you know, what are some of my strengths? Because I feel that, you know, everyone needs to give themselves credit for, you know, all of the good qualities that they have and weaknesses Not, you know, you don't have to take that with a negative, you know, connotation. You could kind of just say, hey, these are areas that I would like to work on. And so for me, it was I wanted to build more of a business acumen behind myself. And so I just got my my master's done in human resource management. And I, yeah, I was excited. That's That's done. I have all the free time now. Insert that meme right there. Sure. (laughs) Um, And so with that, though, I I stumbled on uh, data analytics. And I was like, well, I'm not a math person. That's literally how I chose my degree in college was PR because it had the least amount of math classes. But then in um, you know graduate school, I was like, this is really interesting. And so I was able to really take all of these qualitative things that I, I like and I, you know, that feed my soul and was able to apply data to them to then back them up with yeah. quantifiable things. Mm-hmm. And that I thought was, you know, really kind of interesting to be able to do. And I joined a metrics committee so that I can be surrounded with other very intelligent people that know what they're doing. Uh, as far as data analytics go. So 
I mean, all of those are just building blocks to, you know, get me to the next level to make me a better associate. And also, it, it and keeps I think you really hit it. Mm-hmm. And I think you really hit it on the head, Brittany, when you said, and you analyze it or you revisit it every year. The SWOT analysis is exactly is a great way, a great tool that anybody can use. And that you said you revisit it every year because you know what? It changes every year. It can almost change every six months. It Absolutely. changes monthly. But but by and I think that is a, a good takeaway there is to use the SWOT analysis and with the T's uh, identify those those threats. What are those threats? What's taking up your time that really should not be taking up your time, or that you're not getting enough of? Maybe sleep. That's so, a wonderful um, so that, point. I I didn't even yes. think about it in that context. Like you know, yes. why dedicate energy towards something that's not giving anything back to you? That's it. Very valid. Which could be as simple as sleep which could be just so, sleeping. Is that what threats stand for? I don't think I've actually ever done the SWOT method, but is that what mm-hmm. threat means? Like what's threatening your success? Yes. Yeah, you, like, that's how I view you it. Personally, just, yes. And it could be all of that. And it could be something um, within your workspace. It could be something within your personal life or something just um, to be for your well-being. Uh, you can identify it in any way you find it as a threat. Right, like I am terrible about sitting at my desk and working the entire day, so that is not good for me. That doesn't make me more creative or anything. So I've actually, (laughs) like, whenever my wrist vibrates that I need to get up and go walk, like, I will do that. And so I go get, like, a glass of water every time. I Not all the time because I'm a work in progress. But, I I mean, I really try to, you know, get up from my desk. And then I've also, you know, Tara recommended a standing uh, desk. So I ordered one of those. So I'm kind of, I mix up my day. And, I mean, time flies at work for me. But that really helps me, you know, get with it. And then also being like, hey, Brittany, you know, you really don't need to keep staying late because it's not, you're not accomplishing anything new. So, so identify the threat. Right. And those could be one different for everyone. And, Absolutely. And I feel work wants me to take care of my own well-being, which is like a phenomenal quality. I've never felt that in the workplace before, ever. That my work wants me to live my best life. So that's why I'm like, Brittany, you're just putting all this stress on you for no reason. And it's not it's not work stress. It's self-induced. So. Well, and it's amazing, you know, as you're talking that out loud and our culture at Humana and, you know, everybody knows it's a well-being culture and it's phenomenal. I mean, you guys know I'm, I'm all, all in, I'm all in. It's interesting though, because it's such a good business move too, right? So it's, it's such a benefit to, to us to be in our top condition and not to be stressed and not to be tired and not to work, you know, 14 hour days because then our productivity goes down right. and our creativity goes down and, you know, we're not as productive as, as we could be. So it's finding that like that middle ground that is, that is so difficult. But I think every single person in this company is working to find the middle ground. I think it's just a constant, like just a constant seesaw of just, okay, you know, have we, you know, I don't know if we ever get there perfectly, but you're always trying, you know. Um, you just mm-hmm. said seesaw, and I wanted to give a shout out to everyone that is involved with uh, the seesaw week programming anything because they did a phenomenal job this year. So throwing some claps and snaps out that way. 
And then also you had mentioned, you know, being productive and, you know, creating it was a smart move for Humana to have a, you know, healthy employee population. So, uh, hmm, that sounds familiar. It sounds like our bold goal that we're trying to make the communities yeah, serve right? healthier. I mean, it makes business sense. It truly does. And CSAW stands for Cyber Security Awareness Week. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, thanks, because I didn't know what that meant. Don't you love our acronym use? It's just one big <laughs> acronym around here. Um, <laughs> by the way, a, the new tool that replaced the uh, Humipedia is called Glossary Anywhere. And it's supposed to be powered by, like, Watson and all of that. But I have not had the best luck with it. But if you are interested, uh, you can go to go slash G-A. Glossary Anywhere. Yes, that's it. Go slash G-A. What does the A stand for? Glossary Anywhere. I'll try it. We're just full of so many fun facts today. All right, so we arrive at habit number three, which is first things first. And it's all about time management, and it requires the mastery of habits one and two. So habit one, be proactive. Habit two, begin with the end in mind, leads you to habit three, which is first things first. So with that, you have to have the good time management, be in touch with your priorities, and not give in to procrastination. And it's really the time to focus on your interpersonal skills because relationships are going to be really crucial for your business life and for your personal life and to help you build that, that network that positively feeds in your life. So time management and interpersonal skills. Discuss. That's a lot. For, I, mean, I feel like you could almost pull out that into, into two in habits, the right? I, mean, I know. And uh, whatever <laughs> so I management. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, whenever I was reading it, I was like, time management, shouldn't that be, like, the first thing so you don't go wasting a lot of time? But, like, everyone has, has mentioned from, like, Rosa Beth Moss Cantor, Malcolm Gladwell, and a few other authors is you have to do it from step one to step two to step three. So I'm sure there's a method to the madness, but I don't know. I felt like this was this was a big one. Number three was a big habit. Yeah, make so, such I interpersonal mean, skills. I mean, that that's a whole different um, pillar completely. I mean, interpersonal skills is my interpersonal communication and relationships. And to me, that means being a good listener too, right? Um, sometimes knowing just when to, what is it? I know there's a saying, but just be listening and button the mouth and open the ears, something, some, some type of cute phrase like that. You just answered it, though. You just answered why they're together, because in order to be able mm. to listen, to, to hear, and not to be um, already formulating the next thing you're going to say, right, you have to be able to have managed your time well and, and be present in the moment and not be two steps ahead. So I think that I think you answered it, right? That, that's, that's probably why they're together. I feel like a light bulb just clicked why? on for me. Mm -hmm. It makes sense what you just said, 100%. So time management, because, interpersonal skills, you're well, saying like, they're similar? Well, I'm saying in order to have strong interpersonal skills, you have to have mm -hmm. time management in a way because you have to know how to be present with people versus, gotcha. you know, already formulating the next response or, or just being 10 steps ahead, you know, like 
I mean, I've definitely spent a good portion of my time, and I've talked about this when I've spoken about mindfulness, like always being a few steps ahead and not in a good way, like not being able to enjoy the moment or, or be fully immersed in a conversation or actually like look into a person's eyes because yes. I'm so busy thinking about getting to the grocery and the laundry and, you know, whatever else, what email I need to send. So I think, I think that time management piece is there to say, you know, like be present in the moment, you know, put your time towards things that you value and the rest of that stuff can, can go away. Like last year I had a lot on my plate as we all do, but I decided to take off the things that didn't necessarily mean as much to me as the next. So like home and school, I was on the, on the home and school, you know, as a vice president and running here and running there. And I realized as I was running into these meetings and saying goodbye to my daughter, I was like, wait, this is defeating the whole purpose. <laughs> like, I want to be more present with my daughter, not like waving, I'm going to go do good things at your school, bye, you know. So then I decided to take that off my plate um, as a form of being conscious of time management and where my priorities are so that I could be present with her and, and build that relationship. Aw, I love that. That's and really I'll bring, sweet. And I'll bring that back to the office. I, you know, I, we had a group of interns that were part of, um, they were with us. The interns were high school and college age this past summer, and they were a fantastic group of four. And they would come to our staff meeting, our weekly staff meetings. And um, what I noticed, and I really, really appreciated of them, and I let them know was, you know how people tend to have their cell phones out during meetings, but typically not your staff meeting if your leader's there, right? Um, so. What I noticed, these, these four students did not have their phones out. They actually had them put away. And you don't see that um, in today's world, even in our world, at a lot of times at our staff meetings. And so I told them, you are, in the, you are being present. You are in this meeting. You're fully focused. You're not glancing at your cell phone or feeling for it to vibrate. Maybe not. Maybe it was, I don't think it was in their pocket. But, but my point is that, um, acknowledge the moments when people are totally present and thanking them or just saying, wow, I just noticed you don't have your cell phone out or um, thank you for really listening to me. I can tell you are because you're, you know, you, you're looking in my eyes, just like you said, Tara. You know, there's those times when, when you're using those skills to acknowledge them of the other person so they're aware. Well, and, and think about like virtually like most, a lot of us are um, are virtual, and so just being present when people are talking and not multitasking it sounds so cliche, but it's the hardest thing to do. Like, not glancing at your emails, not glancing at your phone, but but actually being present in the meeting, um, or actually being present on a one-on-one, -on -one and and just giving that person the time that you've already said you'd give them. I think that's what we're called to do. Um, and that, and I think that's part of time management. And virtually you can hear the tone. You know, there's a hesitation between your question and their answer. And maybe they're considering <laughs> the answer. But sometimes it's, know. you realize, oh, my gosh, they're trying to absorb. Or all of a sudden you hear them typing on their keyboard. Well, guess what? I know. They're not in the present. <laughs> right. Hey. Is somebody feeling guilty? <laughs> and like, <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. You know even virtually if that's not happening. Sure, I use an example of um, a face-to-face -face encounter, but virtually like we all are right now, three different states. 
um, you're not typing. You know, I can tell you're present with us. And, um, and so you know those, those moments, even virtually. And Habit 3 has also kind of been Absolutely. deemed the habit of integrity and execution. So I think the integrity piece mm. is that, you know, respect that you, you are in the moment. You are actively listening without, you know, the other intentions of responding without absorbing the information. And, you know, you're just focusing and making that person or that communication a priority for you. And for me, I don't know if it's because I you know, I work with the WNRG and I feel like I'm surrounded by very, very absolutely wonderful um, colleagues that inspire me and also sometimes, you know, give me that little push that I need. And I mean, now that I'm done with school, I should have all this free time, but I've actually taken a few things off my plate and I used to feel so guilty and I kind of get this from my great grandma. She's like, whenever people ask me to do things, I feel like I always have to say yes, because if I don't, they'll never ask me again. And so when opportunities presented themselves and I would be asked, you know, if I wanted to volunteer for something, I used to always say yes, um, because I was like, oh, I've got to get all this experience. But now I kind of take a step back and I, I evaluate it and kind of assess, do I really have the time and do I really have it within myself to dedicate enough of myself to, you know, whatever this thing is, because I feel personally, I should be able to dedicate what is necessary to that and wholeheartedly. The whole uh, point of this is, you know, a kind of a, a wake up call that you don't have to say yes to everything in order to still fully grab onto opportunities. And, you know, that did not occur to me until I had someone at a director level. I had missed a date to send a survey out. And she just emailed me back. She's like, hey, this is this is for volunteer work. It's all right. You know, we all we all can miss things. And I was like, man, that is really refreshing that somebody, you know, isn't, you know, cutting me down or being like, oh, why did you make a mistake or how could you? Um so it was just really refreshing to know that you know, everybody understands that, you know, we have our day jobs with, that we're, you know, should be focused on. And then any kind of extra stuff, that's the extra stuff. That's what feeds your soul, feeds your passion, gets you experience. And so just, again, prioritizing, deciding, you know, what you what it is that you want to do and moving on from well, there. Who was it that said... Um, every time you say yes to something, oh, it was on a podcast we listened to. Every time you say yes to something, identify what it is you're saying no to, right? That's so if it. I say yes to sure. home school meetings, then I'm saying no to spending that time with, with my daughter, Olivia. If I say yes to one more project, what am I saying no to? It is... When you really start to break that one down, you're like, oh, man. I mean, you really start to, to dive into time management, to your values, to what it is that, you know, you want to spend your time committing to. So, And if you do decide to say yes, you know, it could be you can support or to whatever you decide to say yes to. You can support maybe in a different way. You don't have to lead it. Or maybe you don't have to um, take on the project management part of it. Maybe you just want to be a contributor monthly or a contributor to one meeting. Right. Or, and, uh, and then maybe delegate it to somebody else. 
And there's other ways because you don't want to use a child, a childlike enthusiasm for certain pieces, and you learn. It's but yet another learning opportunity, and uh, of course a networking opportunity. But but uh, you do learn from just maybe not taking on a project, not saying yes to the whole piece, either delegating or or supporting at one meeting. So. Gosh, I, I feel like you all totally help finish my thoughts for me whenever I kind of start floundering because that is, that's absolutely it, is realizing, sure, I love this and I'm passionate about it, but I do not have, I'll use the uh, corporate business speak term, bandwidth to do, to lead the project. But here's what I can offer. You know, wait. And First of all, you just put a pain in my heart, but go on. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay that you said bandwidth. I'll forgive you. Go on. I, I, I prefaced it with the corporate BS speak. You warned me. I did because I can't. You need a synonym. Just don't Let's say find a synonym. Well, just don't say pivot because then I'm going to hang up. That's, that's it. That's the pivot. Pivot. <laughs> but I think you were, you were, you were going to extend on saying yes to some part of a project or a meeting that you're being that you would typically want to just say no to but maybe a portion of it can be yes meaning that you can maybe attend the first meeting and contribute in that way not be the project manager not lead it but maybe just contribute in one meeting and I yeah. think you were going to uh, follow through with that Brittany that that is it in a nutshell like absolutely that is where I was going with it originally and I okay. needed some help from my awesome co-hosts to help you know dig that information out of my brain mm. so that that pretty much is it. All right, so we are going to close with a brief reiteration of habits one through three from Steve Covey's Seven Habits of Successful People. So habit one is called be proactive. So this is the habit of choice. Habit two is begin with the end in mind. So having that habit of vision. Habit number three, put first things first. So this is the habit of integrity, execution, time management, and your interpersonal skills. So the first three habits really have to do with managing yourself. So all of the habits from one through three deal with managing yourself. So I think that is it for this episode, but we definitely plan on coming back to talk about the rest of the seven habits. Well, listeners, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to text WNRG to 239-355. Be proactive and do that for next week so that you can have it easily delivered to your cell phone and listen to us next Thursday. All right, we'll catch you later. And that's it for this episode. You can share your thoughts on our WNRG Buzz page or by tagging us, hashtag WNRG Podcast Series. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.